Our reading tonight is from 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 through 19 and 20 through 39. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed Baal. Now therefore have all Israel assemble for me at Mount Carmel, and with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go on limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets number 450. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire is indeed God. All the people answered, well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. Then call on the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So they took the bull that was given them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, crying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, no answer. They limped about the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud, surely he is a god. Either he is meditating or he has wandered away or he's on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Then they cried aloud and, as was their custom, they cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gushed out over them. As midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation but there was no voice, no answer, no response. Then Elijah said to the people, come closer to me. And all the people came closer to him. First, he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of tribes, of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to contain two measures of seed. Then he put the wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces, and laid it on the wood. 
He said, Fill four jars with water and put it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Then he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And again he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So that the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench also with water. At the time of the offering of the oblation, the prophet Elijah came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your bidding. Answer me, O Lord, answer me so that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and even licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Beloved of God, grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I love experiencing a good magic trick. I remember when I was in middle school, and one of my friends showed me the pick a card and don't tell me what it is trick. Has anyone out there seen this one? Been part of it? Yeah, it's fairly basic, right? You pick a card from the deck, you look at it, and then you slide it back in without telling the other person, the magician, what the card is. And I have to admit, I was wowed the first time I experienced this trick. I was also wowed the second time. And the third time. And then finally I got curious. How was my friend doing this? There had to be something behind this trick, right? They weren't just randomly guessing it correctly. My friend just kept doing the trick and telling me, you'll get it sometime. But they finally caved after I begged to be shown what was behind that trick. Today's story about Elijah in the bonfire at Mount Carmel may sound a little like a God-given magic trick. And this isn't the only time in the Hebrew Bible or even in the New Testament that we're faced with a magic trick-like story of God's work in the world. And if we're not careful, we too can get sucked into the smoke and mirrors of stories like these. Yes, these stories are meant to invoke awe and wonder, but they aren't meant to be a roadmap of how to engage with God in a 21st century faith. Because indeed, indeed, this text calls us to go deeper, to see this through the lens of our Lutheran faith and to honor God's work for all people in this text. And this starts by recognizing what's going on here. Elijah is actually out of his context completely. 
he's in a community that turned towards worshiping another god named Baal. And in its simplest rendition, this is, of course, a reminder of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And while we don't generally find ourselves being tempted to worship Baal anymore, we have plenty of fill-ins in this 21st century life, in our time and place, including idolizing things like wealth, achievement, perfection, ego, appearance, status, security, image, possessions, and so much more. The prophet Elijah is trying to get the people to understand that they're not free with Baal. Baal is not there. Baal does not answer them. Nothing. Silence. Do the idols of our culture answer you? Do they show up for you? Comfort you? Help you? Perhaps temporarily, right? But then often we get caught up in a perpetual cycle of trying to attain them and grasp them and hold on to them. And in doing so, then we ourselves become the idol. God really is the only one who can set us free. And even in this text, we continue to dig deeper and deeper and look behind more smoke and mirrors because the Israelites, they're in a famine, a drought. They needed rain. They needed food to grow. They needed to know where their next meal was coming from. The stress was real. And a god like Baal, who is the god of storms, probably seems pretty appealing when you need rain. Yet God lit a fire. That seems a little contradictory to what's really needed for the Israelites, right? But it's hard to see anything when we're in a stuck place. And maybe if God would have provided the relief from the famine at this moment, the Israelites might have thought it was Baal. Instead, they needed to see that God is God. In their own words, the Lord is indeed God. The word indeed in the English language means that which is done, acted, or performed, whether good or bad, great or small. Sometimes when we're in a stuck place, we need to see God move. We need to see God's action in the world. And this story here is reminding us that this isn't some 
miraculous action on God's part, despite its magic trick-like quality, it's about perspective. When our lens is focused on the idols of this world and not God, we may very well miss God's movement, regardless of how large the bonfire is. Let's be clear. You don't need to do anything to receive this action from God. It's already done. God has already done this for you, for we are justified by grace through faith. And even that faith is a gift from God. The Israelites are thrashing around, harming themselves in the name of getting attention from their god, Baal. But Elijah, even for all his over-the-topness in this text, he really just does one thing that actually relates to God in this text. He prays. He prays. He reaches out in relationship to God and says, Answer me, O Lord, answer me. You too can reach out in relationship to God. God who is already there. God who is already choosing relationship with you every moment, every day. You too can ask, God, answer me so that I may know you. God hears you. God is already here with you. No bonfires needed, no magic tricks in response, but instead, real relationship. God meets you here in your quiet, in your loud, in your idolatry, in your praise, in your hope, and in your greatest doubt. And in our lives of faith, God is indeed God. Through action, through visible, tangible means, we taste, smell, touch, and hear, and see this at the font, at the table. And we, in this good news, are saved by grace. And in response to that liberating freedom, we too are called into God's action in the world. We're called into the work of peace and justice for all creation. And we are called to remind others of their belovedness, all the while turning to God when we need reminders of ours. And even when that's hard, we can ask God for help. To this day, there's only one magic trick I know, and it's still the pick a card and don't tell me what it is trick. And I've never run across anyone who is quite as interested in me and learning how to do it. 
But maybe that's what led me here today. I've never really been satisfied with smoke and mirrors. I have to admit, I do love the wow, but I know it's not the full story. Digging in and unearthing what else is behind it, well, I think that's part of being faithful. God doesn't ask us to take God at what society or even religion has deemed as face value. But God also doesn't ask us to have this thing called faith figured out. God simply shows up time and again, inviting you into relationship, into creation, and into the hope of new life. The Lord indeed is God. Thanks be to God. Amen.